Good. Welcome again. If you weren't here at the beginning, I just want to say thanks for being here today. Um, we really do, I mean this from the bottom of my heart, and I just speak for our whole church, whether you feel like you're a part of, a ch- of this church, whether you're just visiting for the first time, we appreciate so much that you would choose to be here this morning, that you would choose to carve out some of your schedule and, and sing together and worship together and hopefully grow in our relationship with God together too. So we appreciate you being here. Thanks for making the effort. I also want to welcome those of you who are watching online as well. Thank you for tuning in from wherever you are watching from. We are glad that you are a part of this whole thing as well. So um, we are today wrapping up this series that we've been in called Finding Freedom. This is the fourth week of this series talking about how, how you and I can find freedom, hence the title, when we properly understand what this Christianity thing is all about. And if it is your first time here, or if it's your first time watching online, um, unfortunately, you're coming in at the end of the movie. Uh, we've already covered three weeks of this so far. You can go back and watch it um, on our YouTube channel if you want to catch up. But the good news is today, I want to go over a little bit of recap of what we've covered so far before we get into stuff for today. In the first week of this series, we talked about this. We talked about how to be right with God. Because here's what's true for you and I, for every single one of us. We want to be right with God. And maybe you use it in different terms. We want to be good with God. We want to go to heaven when we die. We don't want to be on God's bad side. The, same, the end result is the same. We all want to be right with God. Unfortunately, though, none of us can do that on our own. None of us have lived perfect lives. We've all sinned. We've all made mistakes, whatever word you kind of want to put there. None of us have been as perfect as God is. God is perfect and pure and holy and set apart. And the only way for people to be right with God is to be as perfect as he is. Well, we've all failed at that. No matter how hard we try, no matter how much good we've done to outweigh our bad, no matter how sincere we are and grit our teeth, none of us can be perfect. None of us can be right with God on our own. That's why Jesus is such a big deal, that Jesus lived the perfect life that we couldn't. Jesus willingly gave up his life as payment for our sins to cover the penalty, the punishment that we deserve. Jesus took on himself. And when we put our trust in Jesus, when we believe in Jesus, when we put our faith in him, there is this transfer that happens, a spiritual transfer, where Jesus takes our imperfection And in return, we get his perfection, God's perfection, so that we can be right with God, so that we can go to heaven when we die, so that there doesn't have to be any reason that God has to look at us any other way than seeing us with the perfection and holiness of Jesus. And when we put our trust in Jesus, there is a freedom for us that is absolutely incredible, that we we can be free of wondering if we're good enough, We can be free of worrying if we've done enough good to outweigh our bad. Are the scales going to tip in our favor? For some of us, we can be free of the fear of knowing we're not good enough. Many of us, if we're honest with ourselves, we know we've screwed up, right? We know we're not perfect. Some of us have been to jail. Like, we know we don't make the cut. But there is a freedom, this assurance that no other religious system, no other just system in the world offers us like Jesus does when we put our trust in him. We can be 100% totally, completely right with God when we trust Jesus. That was week number one. Then the second week of the series, we talked about how now because we are right with God, now we can enjoy a relationship with God. 
that there's nothing between God and us anymore. We can go to God. We can be with God. We can talk to God like he's our best friend right next to us. We don't have to clean up our lives first. We don't have to try extra hard. We don't have to like go to a certain building or fold our hands a certain way. We can just enjoy this free, open, fulfilling relationship with God anytime, any place any way that we want. That's why Jesus makes us right with God is for this reason right here, to enjoy a two-way relationship with our Heavenly Father. And when you and I enjoy a relationship with God, again, there is this freedom that we can experience on the inside, that we can be free from fears in this life and in this world because we know that God loves us that we can be free from worry and anxiety in our life because we know that God loves us. He cares for us. He cares for the birds in the sky. Of course, he will care for us. You and I, we can be free from always wondering about our value and our worth and does God really notice me because we know that God sent his one and only son because he loved us so much. And there is a freedom in this relationship with God on the inside a freedom from, the, from some of the mental battles and struggles and, and wars that go on in our mind when we experience this relationship with our Heavenly Father. Then, just last week, the third week of this series, our founding pastor Kevin talked about how because we're right with God and because we can enjoy a relationship with God now, now we can experience change in our lives. Now our lives can be transformed in God's presence. And I think every single one of us want our lives to change, right? No matter where we're at, we want to get better, right? We want to be less angry. We want to be more patient. We want to have more self-control. We want to, you know, love others more. And so what we do with that is, well, it's just five steps to being more patient. And we listen to another podcast about self-control and we go to church or we read these books about, you know, how to really love people and follow these, these seven, this pathway to love more people. But here's what I've discovered, and here's what I think all of us have discovered. We can't really change that, can we? We can behave like it. We can look good on the outside. But on the inside, you and I, man, we are pretty powerless at changing our own hearts. But when we spend time in this enjoyable relationship with God because Jesus makes us right with God, God can work on the inside and produce a change in us that we never could on our own not gritting our teeth, not following certain steps, but remaining in this relationship with God that we are free to allow God to work in us. We are free to experience change on the outside because God has the ability to work on the inside. Absolutely incredible freedom that he can, he can mold us and shape us more into his own image. And and I don't know, I mean, we've got a pretty varied crowd here. I have no idea about online, but I don't know what we grew up with hearing about Christianity or maybe what you've heard from other churches or books or podcasts about God and Jesus and the Bible and all that sort of stuff. But when I look at this, all I can think of is like, this is incredible freedom. This is amazing stuff right here. This is why we call the message of Jesus the gospel. The gospel, that term, literally means good news. It is good news that we can be made right with God through no effort of our own. It is good news that we can enjoy a relationship with God because Jesus makes us right with God. It is good news that God can work and change in us the things that we are powerless to change ourselves. For every single one of us, every person who would hear the message of Jesus and believe, it is good 
news. It is the good news, the gospel. And here's, here's the thing about good news. When you and I hear good news, we want to share it, right? It's just natural to share things that are good. When, when, when you are about to get married, maybe you're engaged right now, we want to share that with people. When you are going to have a baby, you want to share that with people. When you buy that new home or you build that dream home, we want to share that with people. It's just this natural response. I know about seven or eight years ago when I discovered the restaurant Fogo de Chao, wow, okay, that was like all I talked about for a year. Can you believe there's this restaurant that serves you the best cut of beef over and over, all you can eat, and you can just totally glutton out on that? Like, that's amazing. We want to... We all do this, right? We share a sale at Target. We share a TikTok video that we like. We share when we buy a a new ATV or a boat or whatever. It's just this natural human response to share good news. And God, I believe God wants that same sort of attitude for those of us that have put our trust in Jesus. That we would look forward to, we would want to, when we find this incredible freedom when we understand Christianity, that it would just be a natural response to want to share that good news with as many people as we possibly can. I think that's God's heart for every single one of us. That's certainly the attitude and, and, and the mindset we see as, as we look at Christians in history, early Christians especially. The book of Acts uh, kind of documents the birth of the church and the spread of Christianity outside just Jerusalem to the Mediterranean and In there, we can read about the lives of other believers and this passion they had to share the good news. In Acts chapter 4, Peter and John, some friends of Jesus, disciples, apostles, they have this encounter, this conflict with some Pharisees, some religious leaders of their day. And so the Pharisees call Peter and John in. They have this little mock trial of sorts. And they tell them, stop talking about Jesus. They say, no matter, just you have to stop teaching, you have to stop talking, you have to stop winning people over to Jesus. These Pharisees felt threatened. You know, the more people turned to Jesus, the less they turned to them. They were losing power, they were losing influence. And so they get together as these big dogs and you stop talking about this. But this is Peter and John's response. We cannot stop telling about everything we have seen and heard. We can't stop talking about it. We can't stop sharing. We can't stop proclaiming this gospel, this good news about Jesus Christ. They said, hey, you you can try and tell us to stop. You can threaten us, but here's what we're going to do. We're going to keep speaking about Jesus. We have discovered this incredible freedom like we've been talking about in this series. They said, we've got to share it with everybody we possibly can. And this same sort of attitude continues all the way throughout the book of Acts. In the next chapter, in Acts chapter 5, we read about a group of believers who are again kind of brought together by the religious leaders, the Pharisees, except this time they're thrown in jail, and then they're flogged. I don't know how much you know about flogging. Turns out it's not the most uh, pleasant of experiences, right? These believers, they are beaten and whipped. Why? Because they're speaking about Jesus. But as Luke is documenting what happened, he's the author of, of Acts, He says that the believers left that experience, left being in jail, left being flogged, praising and rejoicing that they could go out and again talk about what God had done through Jesus, that they could share the good news about Christ. By Acts chapter 8, persecution is starting to happen for Christians. Stephen is the first martyr, the first person to lose his life for his faith in Jesus. 
Christians now are fleeing for their lives from Jerusalem. They are running as far away as they can. But Luke again says that everywhere they went, they preached the message about Jesus Christ. This is just the attitude. When, when these early believers discovered who Jesus was, what he'd done, what this meant for their lives, they had to share it with as many people as possible. It was just this overflow in their life. The Apostle Paul, we talk about him a lot here. He's responsible for writing about half of the letters and documents that make up the New Testament. In one of his letters, Paul describes how this played out in his life. He starts off by saying this. He says, at one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view, but how differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. In, in, in chapters 1, 2, 3, 4 of, of this letter called 2 Corinthians, Paul describes what this new life was like for him, about the comfort he found in this wonderful new relationship with God, about the confidence he found because of God being with him, about his assurance for the future. I mean, so many ways Paul describes this new freedom-filled life that he was living. But the very next thing he says is this, he says, all of this, all this new life, this freedom, whatever, this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. But now God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us, Paul says, this is how I feel. This is like this, this urging from God, this, this call on my life. He gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. Paul says, we speak for Christ. I speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. Paul says, all this new life, this freedom, this amazing relationship with God, because of what he's done for me, I now feel compelled to share this with others. I now feel compelled to be an ambassador for Christ. I have to tell people. God is, is working and speaking through me. Paul felt just this, this burning passion to share this message of Jesus Christ with as many people as he possibly could. And here's the thing. The way that played out in Paul's life and the way it might play out in our lives is going to be different, okay? None of us are the Apostle Paul. But... God's desire is that we would have the same attitude. That we would, we would have the same perspective that Paul had. We don't have to all do the same thing. We're varied. We've got different gifts, live different lives. But that our heart would burn with that same sort of passion to share this good news. That as a result of, of you and I experiencing new life, that we would want to help others experience that new life as well. That as a result of you and I finding this incredible freedom from being made right with God and a relationship with God and our lives changing, that we would do everything we can. We would orient our lives around helping other people discover and find that same freedom themselves. I mean, make, make no doubt about it. God's desire for every Christian, for every one of us that have put our trust in Jesus, is that we would be a part of sharing the message of Jesus with as many people as possible, that we would engage in his rescue mission in this world. And here's the thing. When you and I do that, if we engage in God's work in this world, 
There's something that happens on the inside. When we are a part of what God is doing in this world, just like we've talked about every week of this series so far, you and I, we can find this incredible freedom when we are a part of what God is doing, when we share this good news. And that freedom is this, the freedom of having purpose. Knowing our purpose brings such incredible freedom to our lives. And I think every single one of us are searching for this. Every single human being longs for purpose, longs for our lives to matter. We want to make a difference. Not one of us wants to be born, live, and die, and then be forgotten, okay? Now, some of us have big dreams of being world changers. Some of us just want to make a difference in our home, but we, we all are searching and trying to find this. There's this void inside of us as people that we long for purpose. We want to make a difference in our homes. We want to make a difference at our jobs with, with our coworkers. We want to make a difference in our communities or maybe our state or our nation. There's all sorts of different ways this plays out. I think the, the, a great evidence of of needing purpose in our lives is why there's so many nonprofits in our world today. Things like the American Red Cross and Habitat for Humanity and, and Make-A-Wish Foundation. Because there's just something inside of us as human beings that we long for our lives to matter. And all these different ways that we search for and try and strive to fill that need, they're good, they're awesome, but if we're honest with ourselves, they never really, they never really fulfill that, do they? They work for a little while, but we're still kind of left with this longing of, did I really make a difference? Do things really matter? And when you and I engage in the work of God, when we, when we go all in on this sort of sharing the message of Jesus, there is this freedom on the inside because we understand this is a purpose that will outlast every other. This, this, this God's mission in this world is a purpose that is more important than any other. Being a part of sharing the good news and reaching others is the only thing that you and I will be a part of that will make a difference in eternity. Knowing and living in that purpose brings this incredible freedom into our lives. Now, <clears throat> I don't know what you think about that. Maybe you just think that sounds weird. Maybe you think that sounds like pie-in-the-sky sort of talk, but I, I believe that is true and available for every single one of us. And the reason I believe that is, well, I mean, God says it, number one, but we can read about that happening in other people's lives. And I think one of the best places we see this is in a letter called Philippians, written by the Apostle Paul. And uh, we're going to do something different today that I don't know if we've ever done before. I'm just going to read a long section of Philippians, a lot of verses. I'm not going to put it on the TV. That'd be like 100 screens. I'm just going to read from Philippians. And, and here's the thing about Philippians that we have to understand. we got to understand the context of what Paul is writing and where he's writing from. Philippians is a letter that he wrote to a group of friends. He started this church in Philippi a few years before. But when he's writing this letter, he's, he's currently imprisoned. Now, scholars think it's probably not like dungeon prison, but like definitely chained up. Definitely not able to do what he wants, when he wants. He's under constant watch of guards. He has lost all of his tangible physical freedoms. And I want us to try and put ourselves in Paul's shoes. What must he have been going through? What must it have felt like? What would it be like to lose your freedom 
in that sort of sense. Again, some of us maybe can identify with this a little bit earlier, but everything that we're going to read, Paul is writing from that context. You and I, if we found ourselves imprisoned, house arrest, whatever, we would be hard-pressed to sense any level of freedom. And Paul never uses that word, but it is so apparent in everything he writes, what he is experiencing on the inside. And so I just want to read to us his words. Okay, so just everybody just kind of sit back, get comfortable. This is going to be a couple minutes. Maybe even close your eyes if you want. The, uh, the reference is on the big screen if you want to read it yourselves later or maybe even follow along now on your phone. But this is what Paul writes. We're going to start in chapter 1, verse 3. He says this, Every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. Whenever I pray, I make my requests for all of you with joy. Remember, he's in prison. Okay, He's not on a beach in Cancun. He's not at Fogo de Chao. He's imprisoned, and he is He's full of gratitude. He is full of joy on the inside. These are not just nice words he's writing. This is actually his heart coming out. He is so free and good on the inside, even though his circumstances are terrible. Why? Why is he like that? Why can he make his request with joy? He says, for you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ. He says, I have joy because you've been my partners in the mission. Because you faraway people in Philippi, we've been my partners in purpose together from the time you first heard it until now. And I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, I'm certain he's going to continue that work until it's finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. So it is right that I should feel as I do about all of you, for you have a special place in my heart. He says, you share with me the special favor of God. Interesting words right there. If you, if you had to imagine, what does the special favor of God mean? What is this special honor, this privilege of God? He says what it is. In his perspective, this was favor of God. He says, in my imprisonment and in defending and confirming the truth of the good news. Paul viewed his imprisonment, his situation, as the favor of God in his life. He says, God knows how much I love you and long for you with the tender compassion of Christ Jesus. I mean, this is, this is just the beginning of his letter. This is his introduction, okay? We are eight verses in, and you, you can just already tell Paul's attitude. He is so fulfilled on the inside, so free because of his friends, because of his partners, because he understood his purpose in life. Skip ahead in, in chapter 1 to verse 12. He says this, I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me here, okay, being imprisoned, that's what he's talking about. Everything that's happened, being imprisoned, loss of personal freedom, the struggle, the pain, the circumstances, my chains, all of that has helped to spread the good news. What a perspective, huh? Yeah, he's chained up physically, but on the inside he just has this free heart, this free way of looking at things. It says, for everyone here, including the whole palace guard, knows that I'm in chains because of Christ. And because of my imprisonment, most of the believers here have gained confidence and boldly speak God's message without fear. He says, it's true that some are preaching out of jealousy and rivalry, but others preach about Christ with pure motives. They preach because they love me 
for they know I've been appointed to defend the good news. Those others do not have pure motives as they preach about Christ. They preach with selfish ambition, not sincerely, intending to make my chains more painful to me. But then he says this, that doesn't matter. Could you, could you imagine if you were in prison writing something like that? It doesn't matter. Whether their motives are false or genuine, the message about Christ is being preached either way. So I rejoice, and I will continue to rejoice. Paul is in prison. He's chained up. There's people on the outside making fun of him, accusing him of talking about Jesus wrong. The reason he was in prison is because he wasn't doing things right. And what's Paul's response? I got joy. I rejoice. I'm going to continue to rejoice. Where does that come from? See, just, oh, I'm going to tell myself happy things. No, not at all. I believe that came from knowing his purpose and knowing the purpose of every Christian's life from God's perspective to spread the message of Jesus. It didn't matter to Paul who was doing it. It didn't matter to Paul whether it was being done right or wrong in someone else's eyes. He wasn't trying to compare himself to other people. He writes these words, I rejoice, I rejoice. Paul was not trying to win some super apostle award. He was filled with joy because more people were experiencing what he was experiencing. This wonderful new relationship with God. This freedom because of what Jesus Christ had done. He says, listen, even if I'm in prison, I am so good on the inside, I can actually rejoice. He goes on, he says, For I know that as you pray for me, and the Spirit of Jesus Christ helps me, this will lead to my deliverance. For I fully expect and hope that I will never be ashamed, but that I will continue to be bold for Christ. The only thing he cares about right now is sharing the message of Jesus, sharing the good news. He says, as I have been in the past, and I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ, whether I live or whether I die. For to me, living means living for Christ, and dying is even better. But if I live... I can do more fruitful work for Christ. Paul, I think, is, is saying, in his own words, but saying this, this relationship with God, this purpose, this call to be an ambassador is so freeing on the inside. I am free from even worrying about life and death. He says, guess what? If I die, I win. If I keep living, I can keep fulfilling my purpose to reach others. Paul says, either way, no matter what happens, I am good. I am, I am so good on the inside. He says a couple verses later, knowing this, I am convinced that I will remain alive. For what reason? To get out of jail? Nope. So that I can continue to help all of you grow and experience the joy of your faith. Paul says so that I can keep fulfilling God's purpose in my life. He goes on in the next chapter. He says this in chapter 2. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Is there any comfort from his love? Any fellowship together in the Spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? I think if I could steal his words for a minute, if he were speaking here in this series, he might say something like, if, have you experienced any of the freedom that God offers us in this relationship with him? If you have, he says, then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, by loving one another, and by working together with one mind 
and one purpose. He says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourself. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. I mean, Paul, Paul was absolutely free from selfishness, free from having to worry about himself and his needs and his wants and what's going to, I mean, just totally good on the inside. Towards the middle of chapter 2 at verse 16, he says this, Hold firmly to the word of life. Then on the day of Christ's return, I will be proud that I did not run the race in vain and that my work was not useless. Or basically says, listen, you keep holding on to Christ because then I know that God's purpose was fulfilled through me. He says, but I will rejoice again. I will rejoice even if I lose my life. Do you sense that freedom? Even if I lose my life, pouring it out like a liquid offering to God, just like your faithful service is an offering to God. He says, I want all of you to share that joy, that freedom, that purpose on the inside that he was living and experiencing. I want you to share that joy. Yes, you should rejoice and I will share your joy. Listen, that's just some, okay? We, we, we read about half of chapter 1 and chapter 2. And like to me, it is impossible to miss this heart and this passion and this freedom that Paul was experiencing on the inside. In prison, in chains, loss of freedom, but so free in here. Free from worry and pain and the struggle he was going through. Free from having to compare himself to somebody else free from worrying about what other people might think of him, free from even the constraints of life and death. Paul was free to experience joy. Paul was free to experience comfort and love. Paul was free to, to have a, a bigger, a proper perspective. Where does that come from? I think it comes from this, from knowing his purpose. That as a result of Paul being right with God, enjoying his own relationship with God, his own life being radically transformed, this new creation, this new life, his purpose of reaching others. That out of what God was doing on the inside, Paul was then fulfilled in this purpose of helping others experience what he had experienced themselves. And the settings, the situation, the circumstances he found himself in had nothing to do with it. He was so good on the inside. And you and I, I just believe with all my heart, I believe we can experience that same thing. I believe that we can experience that in our homes, at our jobs, in our community here at church, that the more our purpose becomes to share the good news of Jesus, the more that need for purpose, that longing for purpose is fulfilled on the inside. And we can experience freedom as a result, we don't have to keep searching. We don't have to keep trying all these different things. We just know that we know that we know. We found the thing that is most important in this Christianity thing. Jeff Foxworthy, blue collar comedy guy, he was interviewed a couple years ago about his work at the Atlanta Mission. 
At the time of the interview, he'd been serving and being a part of, of their work for about 10 years. And, and Jeff Foxworthy, I mean, has more money than all of us combined. He's reached the, like, the pinnacle of the human existence. He has clout. He has fame. He can do whatever he wants whenever he wants. Yet he gives his time week in and week out, and he gives his money, and he gives his service towards helping the homeless men in the Atlanta area in tangible ways, but ultimately with the goal, the heart of them discovering a relationship with God. And so the person interviewing Jeff Foxworthy was asking him questions like, why do you do this? What do you get out of this? Why do you give your time to be a part of making a difference in this sort of way for others? And this is, this is part of, of his answer. He says, if you wait until you have the free time to go love on somebody else, or I think if I can kind of steal his words for a minute, if, if, if you and I, if we wait until we have the free time to reach others, if we wait until life is good and everything else is taken care of to be a part of God's work in this world, he says, you're never going to do it, okay? We're just not. We're too busy. we got other things. He says, just say yes. Just say, yes, I commit to go do this. I was wrong about what the world sells you as being a full life. This is Jeff Foxworthy. Famous, money, you name it. I find my life is best when I'm not the most important thing in it. He says, my life is best when I'm not selfish, when it's not all about me, but when I am concerned with making a difference in others, when I can help draw people to God. Man, that is when my life is best. He says, it just makes it richer and fuller. And once, don't miss this, once you have tasted purpose, you can't be happy with just existing anymore. Once you and I have tasted purpose, have tasted what it's like to be a part of the greatest mission this world has ever known, what else does life have to offer? It's the greatest purpose you and I can ever be a part of. And so here's my question for every single one of us as we wrap up this series, Finding Freedom. My question for you and my question to myself is this. Are we fulfilling God's purpose for our lives? Are we sharing the message of Jesus, the freedom we found? Is, is, is this wonderful new relationship with God that we have, those of us that are Christians, those of us that have put our trust in Jesus, is that spilling out onto other people? Or are we just keeping it to ourselves? Because here's the thing, this whole series has been about a proper understanding of Christianity, this is a big picture view of Christianity. The whole circle, the complete cycle, that we are made right with God by putting our trust in Jesus. And that because we are right with God, now we can enjoy a relationship with him. Because of that relationship, God can change us on the inside. And because of what God is doing in us, that we are happy and excited and passionate about reaching others. Why? So that they can be right with God so that other people can enjoy a relationship with God, so that their lives can be changed, so that they can be a part of each other, so this cycle can just continue. This is Christianity. This is why, as a church, our mission is what it is, that we exist to draw people into a growing relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Why? Because we want people to be right with God, to enjoy a relationship, to life change, to reach others. So we're going to do whatever we can to draw them into a growing relationship with God. No matter which way you look at it, this is Christianity. This is the freedom of Christianity. It is all of it. But my question for us is this. 
Are we doing this? Are we completing the cycle? It's not really Christianity without all four pieces leading to the next. Are we sharing the good news of Jesus with our kids? Are we just hoping they maybe catch it somewhere? Are we sharing the incredible relationship with God that we have with our, with our extended family? Are we just crossing our fingers? Are, 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 we, are we talking to our neighbors and coworkers about the truth of Jesus Christ and the freedom that we found in our lives or not? Are we engaged in a local church to partner and work with others, not just in showing up, I mean, that's part of it, but in inviting, in praying, in serving, in giving, in all these different ways, are we fulfilling God's purpose in our lives? Because I will tell you, there is knowing and living in our God-given purpose is such a freeing place to be. Jeff Foxworthy found it to be true. The Apostle Paul found it to be true. The early Christians that we read about in Acts found it to be true. I know that I am continuing to find that to be true in my life. I'm not there yet. I still have a ways to go, but I, I try in this relationship with God to be more and more, like Paul calls it, an ambassador for Christ. But what about you? What about you? Are you reaching others? My advice for all of us, and my advice I've got to keep telling myself is the same as what Jeff Fox really said. Don't wait. Don't wait. Just do it. Just commit. Just be a part of it. When we know and understand what Christianity is really all about, there is this incredible freedom we can find. Let's not miss it. Let me pray for us as we get ready to wrap up today. Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus so that we could be right with you. There's nothing that we have ever done in our lives to deserve that kind of gift. But because you love us, you sent your one and only Son. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Forever and ever, God, we will sing your praises and we will thank you for that, that amazing, gracious gift that you gave. Father, thank you for, for opening yourself up so that we could know you. Not just know about you, but actually know you in this relationship, this fulfilling, just two-way relationship with you. Father, thank you that your presence changes us on the inside that you, you work in us and you do things in us that we could never do on our own and you mold us and shape us to be more like you. Thank you, Father. You don't have to do that. Through the work of your Holy Spirit, because of what Jesus did, we experience such freedom and goodness in this relationship with you. But Father, I pray that for every one of us that have put our trust in Jesus and have experienced a relationship with you, God, we want to give you permission to to put in us that same passion that Paul had that he wrote about, this desire to share your wonderful message of reconciliation. That's going to look different for all of us, but Father, we are asking you right now, help us be a part, more a part of what you're doing. Maybe we're already engaged. That's cool, God, help us be more. Maybe some of us are here today and we've just been sitting on the sidelines. Father, would you touch our hearts? Would you... Would you stir in us a passion to be a part of your work in this world, to fulfill your purpose through us? God, I just say for me, here I am. Use me, Father, for your work. 
in this world for the benefit of other people. And Father, may you just continue to bring more and more freedom into our lives as we understand everything that you have done for us through Jesus. We pray in his name. Amen.